This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Paul's letter to the Corinthian church from 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regard it, though I did regret, uh, regret it. I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Hey, thank you, Ralph. Now, if you're not aware, as we celebrate uh, the 20th anniversary of our church, um, Terry and Linda Reynolds, Ralph and Gert, uh, Pam and Scott Swanberg, there are so many here in our church that were a part of its very, very beginnings. And we are so grateful um, to have you And as I say, every time you read, Ralph, you are a treasure. And uh, if you want to know what the voice of God sounds like, that's what I imagine in in my head. Thank you so much. And thank you uh, for your contributions uh, to making this church what it is today. Hey, you know, they say the first step into making change in your life is to acknowledge that there's a need for change. Would you agree with that? Okay, That's an important first step. And then, once you acknowledge that there's a need for change, uh, a second step would be to uh, position yourself, whether it be um, with resources, people in your life, um, even as Brent has shared about men of distinction, that can help you make those changes. Um, someone told me a, a little riddle several years ago, and it's always stuck with me. They said, "Uh, Todd, there are three frogs on a log, and two decide to jump off. How many are left? And my response was, well, none. And the person asked me, why is that? And I said, because they decided to jump in. And he said, no, you are incorrect. There are three frogs in a log and two frogs decide to jump in. How many are left? Three. Because deciding to do something and actually doing it are two different things. And so for many of us, as we begin the new year, 
And as we have the opportunity to engage our our book, study, and sermon series called The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero, we recognize that there are changes we want to make in our life. And perhaps some of those changes uh, have to deal with our relationship with God and, and how we relate to God through His Word. Uh, how we relate to uh, the wisdom and the teachers, the mentors that He has placed in His Word, the Bible, that are there for us to help us make those substantive changes in our life that, that we're wanting to make. And yet, we're like the three frogs. We're on the log. We're making a decision. We want to do something. And yet, deciding to do something and doing it are two different things. So this morning, uh, I'm hoping that we would all be encouraged that whatever we've commitments that we've made in relationship to this book study, in relationship to, to really digging in and, and relating to the Word of God, not only with our head, but with our whole heart, that this would be a year that we'd be do more than just decide to do it, that we would make that step, that we would actually say, not only do I need to change, I want to change, I want to engage God differently. I want to learn from the men and women that He's placed in Scripture, that, that their lives serve as an example of good and bad, of, of, of victory and, and failure. All those are there for you and for me, that we might learn uh, from them. And that this year we would take that step. And maybe that step for you is going to men of distinction. Uh, that's a, a part of, of, that, of that change you're going to make in your life. Or, or maybe it's signing up for a home group. The home groups are, are going through this book together the next several weeks. And, uh, surround yourself with people that you can discuss and process. and You can share the good things that God is doing. You can receive encouragement. Incidentally, if you've not done that, uh, you can contact Pastor Erica or the church office, Sherry McDonald, and just let them know, hey, I want to be in a home group. And they'll help you connect and get you into one. And so sometimes as I'm talking about this, we, we feel that tension, don't we? Uh, there's the, there's the, the want to, right? I want to change. Uh, I want to take these steps in my life. And then there's the the can do, but can I do it? And uh, sometimes there, there has to be an event in our life or maybe a series of events that, that, that bring it to that place where we're saying, okay, I've known for a long time I've needed to do something, but now I'm going to do it. For example, imagine driving uh, in the middle of the night, in the early hours of the morning in a, in a large urban area, let's say San Diego, California. And you're fairly newly married. And I'm speaking now as a guy. And you're behind the wheel. And uh, you can't find your hotel. And your wonderful, loving wife is there in the passenger seat. And she makes a suggestion that I know for, for many of us as men, we dread. Todd. Stop and ask for directions. No, I, I think I can find it myself. We drive around for about another 20 minutes 
And now we're, we're in some dark business park in a, in a two-story parking garage. It doesn't look anything like the, the hotel parking lot we were supposed to arrive in. And, and she says, well, then would you at least look at a map? Now, you have to understand something. Uh, at that very young age and time in my life as a, a new husband, I actually had a t-shirt I would wear. And it had a picture of the Taz... Manian devil. And underneath it it said, I don't need no map. Okay? <laughs> and then there was just this clash. Alright? Uh, early in the morning, in the parking lot structure of a, a business park somewhere in San Diego. But you know, that really... Is, is representative of an attitude that we can have. And you know, there have been times in my life where the attitude is, I can do it myself, has really helped me. Uh, I've had challenges, I'm sure you have in your life, and, and that, that sense of self-determination, that sense of I have the answers, that sense of I'm going to do it myself, sometimes that serves you well. But there are other times where it doesn't serve us well at all. Those are times where it it not only causes us problems, but those we love trouble. In Wayne Cordero's book, chapter 2, where we are today, the chapter is entitled, You Don't Have What It Takes. You don't have what it takes. And the truth is, I don't have what it takes either. Uh, that if we're going to be the men and women of God that, that we long to be and that, that God desires us to be, we have to acknowledge that, you know what? I can't do that on my own. I can't do that. But God has provided the resources for me to do that. Uh, God has placed me in a, in a wonderful church with godly men and women. God has provided opportunities for me to build relationships. God has put people in my life and your life who can speak wisdom and truth, who can model what a what a... A life looks like a person that is committed to following after Jesus. And all those things are great. But God has also asked you to sit down with Him. And He wants to, to teach you directly through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, and through the examples of the lives of the men and women uh, that are in Scripture. And yet... Even when it comes to things of the heart, things of our spiritual growth and development, sometimes there's still that reluctance, isn't there? Sometimes there's, there's, there's still that propensity that some of us have that we want to say, thank you, God, I can do it my way. Oh, that reminds me. You familiar with that song? My way? Now, for men in particular, especially... Perhaps a, a generation um, older than I am. Th that, that seems to be kind of the song. In fact, as a pastor over the years, um, as I have officiated the memorial services of, of older men, um, oftentimes that song is asked for or referred to uh, in, um, in a service. But, but let me just read you some of the lyrics here. 
You may be familiar with this. It says, and now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. Mine was to San Diego. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Then he goes on to say, regrets. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and I saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. And then comes this, this verse. Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew. Lori, yes, there were times I'm sure you knew, huh? When I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. Actually, I ate it up and spit out all over you. <clears throat> okay. I faced it all, and I stood tall. I did it my way. And then, of course, that that famous refrain, For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. Hear that? Not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows, and yes, I did it my way. Now, you know what? That's a philosophy of life that men and women adhere to. And yet that is so contrary to the Word of God. I want to be a man who kneels. I want to be a man um, who is open to listening to the wisdom of godly people in my life. But more importantly, to the wisdom of God directly through His Holy Spirit, through His Word. I want to be a man That doesn't have to make mistakes because I've insisted on doing it my way. But a man who avoids them because I'm committed to doing it God's way. That in the Word of God, I'm I'm looking for help from the lives of the men and women whose stories are there for us so that I don't have to make the same mistakes. So that I can learn from their successes and their failures. So that I can listen to what God has to say to me. Not only in my head, but in my heart. And that that through His Holy Spirit, there would be a course charted for my life that would reflect not humanistic values or values of self-determination, but biblical values of a life committed to following Jesus. Can we admit there's a difference this morning? Can we do that? I don't know about you, but I'm tired of doing it my way. Because I know what happens when I do it my way. And more often than not, there's more regret than there is triumph. That's just the way my life has been. I don't know about yours. Wayne Cordero says it this way. Our shortage of wisdom keeps us seeking Him and presents us, or excuse me, it should be, and prevents us, prevents us from becoming hard-hearted. 
It keeps us humble, malleable, correctable, changeable, and transformable so that with each new day we might increasingly reflect whose image? His image. Not my image. His image. Our relationship with Jesus grows and deepens as a greater and richer wisdom takes root and grows inside of us. Boy, I want that, don't you? I want that greater and deeper wisdom of God to take root and to grow in my life. And yet, if that's to happen, I can't choose my way. I have to acknowledge I don't have what it takes. And you know something? You don't either. You don't either. In the book, Cordero says this. He says, we have a choice of instructors. And in life, we have instructors. There are things that instruct us. Things that we listen to. Things that influence our decisions and our actions. And he says, there are two of them. Wisdom and consequences. Wisdom and consequences. And here's the question this morning. Which one will you choose? Will you choose wisdom? Or will you choose consequences? Both are instructors. Both are willing to teach us. Wisdom teaches you the lesson before you make the mistake. You see that? Wisdom teaches you the lesson before you make the mistake. Consequences demands that you make the mistake first. Wisdom or consequences? Which one are you going to choose this morning? Which one do you want to guide your life? Uh, I know from my own experience that I'm prone to making mistakes. And if there's a way by acquiring the wisdom of God through His Word and through the examples of godly men and women that He's placed in His Word to mentor me, if there's a way I can avoid those mistakes, I, I, I want to do that. I, I want to avoid mistakes. If I don't have to make them, I don't want to. Okay? And maybe that just comes from having made a whole lot in my life. And maybe you're thinking the same way. The consequences demand that you make the mistake first. Yeah, you can learn. There's a couple ways you can learn. Wisdom helps you avoid the mistake. Consequences demands that, nope, you're going to make that mistake first. Then you're going to learn. Now, with wisdom and consequences come two kinds of pain. Okay? Two kinds of pain. The question is, which pain do you want to experience? The pain of discipline or the pain of regret? Right? We have to choose which instructor we want, whether it will be wisdom or consequence. But that choice informs what pain we want to experience in life, whether it be the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Now, wisdom requires the pain of discipline. Okay? Wisdom requires the pain of discipline. What do I mean by that? It's painful sometimes to, to discipline or to prioritize my life in such a way that, 
that I would make time to engage God in His Word. Uh, Maybe it means getting up an hour earlier. Maybe it means taking time intentionally in the middle of my day. Maybe it means planning time in the evening. But there's a discipline. There's a pain that comes from discipline. It's, it's the same kind of a pain that an athlete in, encounters in training. Right? But it's a good pain. It, it's a pain that's, that's going somewhere. It's a pain that is, that is helping one to grow and to be made strong. Right? It's a pain of discipline. But then there's the pain, the consequence promises, and that's the pain of regret. The pain of regret. In Sinatra's song, My Way, what does he say? Regrets, I've had a few, right? You're familiar with that pain, aren't you? The pain of regret. It comes oftentimes when we're not yielding to God's wisdom, whether it be in His Word, those around us that He's placed in our lives. Maybe it's um, learning from our previous mistakes, and yet we continue to be what prone to learning from consequences and the pain of regret. The pain of regret. Paul, in our passage today, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8-10, through 10, illustrates what we're talking about here. Now, the, the church at Corinth is a young church, as he's writing to them. And there are all kinds of issues uh, that are taking place. Relational issues, issues of doctrine. They're trying to work out what it means as a community to follow Jesus, Okay? And in Corinth is in Greece, and and the culture, the the culture at that time was was one that really prided wisdom. They prided themselves on being wise. Remember, Greece is the the, the country that gave us all the great Greek philosophers, and and philosophy and wisdom were were things that were sought after in ancient Greece. If you were an enlightened person, you wanted to be a person who sought wisdom. Yet there's a wisdom that comes from man and there's a wisdom that comes from God. And, and, and often those things clash with one another. And that's what's happening here in this young church. And Paul, in his first letter to them, talks about wisdom. And he said, you know, you're not really as wise as you think you are. And in fact, the, the wisdom of man is like foolishness compared to the wisdom of God. And you want to be wise in the things of the Lord, in the things of His Spirit. In fact, he tells them in 1 Corinthians, in his first letter, he says, some of you say you don't understand God's Word. Well, the reason why is because the things of the Lord require the Spirit of God to be understood. That we, we can't understand the, the Word of God without His Spirit helping us to understand it. And he tells them that. And yet, they're insistent on living according to the wisdom of man. And and as a result, there are a lot of relational issues going on in the church. Okay? That's the background here. And, uh, you know, when when people don't want to change, or when change is an issue, or there's a clash between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God, often what happens is, the wisdom of God is challenged. 
right? It's challenged. And, and often the challenge is made against the person or the persons or the source of that wisdom. And in this case, those who, who were wrestling with the wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God and whose lives were not reflecting a godly lifestyle and who were in their choices rejecting God's wisdom, they found or took issue with Paul, the one who was attempting to teach them God's wisdom. And really, Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians, is, is perhaps one of the most personal pastoral letters you'll, you'll find in the New Testament. Certainly in Paul's writing. Because in it, he is consistently defending his apostleship. He, he's presenting himself as one who, who is a true apostle. And he's answering the challenge of those who are challenging his right to express godly wisdom. And over and over and over again, he, he's reminding them of, of who he is and, and what's happened in his life and the, the hardships he's faced and how committed he is to, to living and following Christ and that they should do the same. And so we come to this place where he's referring to the letter that he had written them, 1 Corinthians, now it's 2 Corinthians, and he's referring to what he had told them. And in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10, he says, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I don't regret it. Though I did regret it because it pained him to have to write it. I see that my letter hurts you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. And then he, he closes with these words. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Okay? And that really drives at the heart of what Cordero is talking about in chapter 2 of the Divine Mentor. That we encounter the wisdom of God and we're, we're standing at a crossroads. Am I going to, to yield to God's wisdom? Am I going to allow God to lead and guide me, to teach me, to give me instruction and direction for my life? Am I going to learn from the mentors He's placed in His Word that I can learn from? Or am I going to strike out on my own? Am I going to do it my way? Okay? That's the question. That's the challenge. And what Paul is saying, and what the Corinthians found out, is when they respond to God's Word, to godly wisdom, it leads to repentance. It leads to the changes. It changes the course of one's life in a positive way that, that prevents there from being the kind of sorrow in which there's no hope and only regret. Okay? And you and I this morning stand in a very similar place as, as we evaluate our own hearts, our own lives. The opportunity that God provides us, the, the leading of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives to participate in the study of His Word or in the study of this book, to, to participate in the life journal that we talked about. By the way, we ordered more of these books. Um, they were supposed to have arrived Friday. They haven't. They'll be here this week. 
If you haven't got one, call the church. We'll let you know when they're in. You can come by and pick one up. Or next Sunday they'll be here for sure. But the question is, are we going to experience godly sorrow that brings repentance in our lives that leads to changes, substantive changes, good changes that strengthen us in our walk with the Lord? Or are we going to continue to do it our way and make the same mistakes? James says it this way, and this is a great chapter. If you've not read chapter 3 of the book of James, I encourage you to do so. James chapter 3, he contrasts godly wisdom and human wisdom. Okay, The wisdom that comes from man and the wisdom that comes from God. And this is what he says in James 3, 13-16. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and every evil practice. Okay? Proverbs 14.12 says it this way. There is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. James goes on in verse 17 to say it this way. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And so we see in our own lives, in the course of our lives, our actions, the fruit in our life, really is an indication of whether we're following godly wisdom or human wisdom. If we're committed to doing things God's way or doing things our way. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. It's one of my, my favorite verses. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Do we believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Really? Then if we do, we need to commit to living as if we believe it. Okay? And that's a challenge for you and for me. That we would do that. Wayne Cordero says this, If you are willing, the Bible will give you wisdom beyond your years. You know, I, I told Ralph last Sunday after, after service, I said, Ralph, I want to be like you when I grow up. Okay? I, I, I want what Ralph has. Okay? But you know how Ralph has acquired that? Through years of walking 
with the Lord. Through years of, of learning from God in His Word. In, in, through years of learning from the lives of men and women that are in Scripture that have taught Him. And as a result, we see the man that Ralph is today. That didn't happen by accident. That's the pain of discipline that yields the fruit in the person that we see today. And it's true with any man or woman whose lives reflect the reality of Jesus Christ. And so, Cordero says, if you're willing, the Bible will give you wisdom beyond your years. It will save you from heartache beyond your imagination. Listen. There are enough things that happen in our lives that are absolutely out of our control. And some of those things bring heartache. And, and you know that. You know what I'm talking about. So then why on earth why on earth would I not want to engage in the pain of discipline in order to have the wisdom that God wants to provide me to keep me from the pain and the, and the heartache that I, I can actually avoid. You see that? I want to do that. How about you this morning? I know some of you have told me, Todd, this is great. This is a wonderful study. I'm enjoying the book. And the reason you're saying that is because it's, it's really kind of scratched you where you itch. It's, it, it's consistent with where you are and, and where you'd like to head. But listen, let's not be a church full of people who are sitting on the log who have decided to engage godly wisdom this year. Let's be a, a church full of people who have made the decision and who support one another in that decision to do it. To do it together. I believe with all my heart that if we do, not only will our lives change, but this church will change. Our community will change. God is doing great things. Wonderful things here. But I have to tell you something. It does not yet appear what we shall be. The first 20 years have been wonderful. But I believe that God has a wonderful future for the next 20. But you know where it starts? It starts in the hearts of men and women and young people who believe in the centrality of the Word of God, who are committed to yielding to the wisdom God gives through His Teacher, the Holy Spirit, and that together we would grow in that wisdom and that we would be more than adequate to meet the tasks that God has for the next 20 years for us. That's why we're doing this. Will you join me in it? Will you do that? Someday we're going to look back. Maybe 20 years from now, they'll be talking about this church. And they'll be saying, man, in January of 2016, 
the church made a decision wholeheartedly to engage God's Word and to allow God to teach them and to guide them into the next 20. And that's why we're here. And they'll be celebrating the decision that that you and I are making today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You. And Father, for some of us it may be hard, but we want to acknowledge that we don't have what it takes. We desperately need You. Father, I know that there are changes that You want to make in my life. There are changes, Lord, I I know I need to make. And, And that's representative of so many that are here this morning. And yet, Father, today... Would You give us the conviction not only about what needs to change, but Lord, the courage to act on that decision, to step out, to trust You, so that we would not live a life of doing it my way, but Lord, we would live a life that reflects that we're doing it Your way. Would You help us each to do that? And Father, as we do, we want to thank You for the fruit that that will yield, not only in our own lives, but Father, corporately in the life of our church. We truly believe, Father, that You have great things in store. And we're asking You, in Your wisdom, to lead and to guide us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.